Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again as we continue on in our study that we're doing uh, through the New Testament. And uh, right now we're in the book of Mark. Today we'll be in chapter 13. And we're glad you're here. I just, we, we, we fixed the projectors today. It was projector day. And so all those three projectors now are, are running at full capacity. And I'm a little overwhelmed at how many images of me there are right now. Because <laughs> ah! <laughs> I can like see them all in, in the peripheral, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Um <laughs> But we're going to um, keep working through the book of Mark today. And these uh, last few chapters, 11, 12, and 13, um, uh, have, we've, we've moved into, in these three chapters, the last week of um, Jesus' ministry uh, during his first coming. And um, he's arrived in Jerusalem, and we've seen him uh, do some things already. Uh, in, in chapter 11, it really sort of um, pointed to the mission of the Messiah, and that his mission was to come in this first time to um, make a way for us to have a relationship with God, to set things right, to uh, come as a, a sacrifice for sin. Uh, he came as a lamb in the first time, and that um, we saw that when he entered Jerusalem, that the first thing he did was he went to the temple. It was a, it's a spiritual um, coming, not a political one. He didn't come to the political leaders and straighten them out. He came to deal with God's people, God's community, and to set things right. And that sort of expands in chapter 12 as he exposes um, what's happened in the, uh, the way that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, are doing things. And he demonstrates the difference between um, what they have moved into, which is a, uh, a, a system of rules and rituals about God that, that keeps people from God, and he demonstrates that what, what God has always wanted is a relationship with us um, based on faith and grace and that it's a, it's a living, real relationship and that, that we are not to substitute rules and regulations for a relationship with God based in faith and grace and what that looks like. And yet we often are willing to settle for rules um, and we have to always be aware of that, that that there are many situations in life where what we really want to know is that we don't want to have to stay connected in relationship with God to find out what He wants us to do. Just give me the rules because that's easier. And yet life isn't found in the rules um, because we all know that, that it's certainly what's going to happen with rules is you're going to break them and, uh, because there's no life in them, and so you end up breaking them. Relationship with God, however, is based on faith and grace and and in that process, it's not that there's, we can, you know, that, that we're going to go out and then, well, I can just do whatever I want. That's, then we miss the whole point. It's we want to begin to live a life in response to the love of God that demonstrates that, that uh, you know, we want to live a life now that pleases God. And all of that comes as a response to the love that we've already been given. And so we begin to allow the Spirit of God to change us from the inside out. And He begins to make those changes. And, and that's what... Uh, you know, what Jesus has really come for in this, in, in, when he came the first time. He had to come in and straighten out the mess that had uh, taken place among God's people. And he, he said, you can't do it that way. And, and, you know, a lot of those things then begin to make sense. And, and we see that that old way of doing things had to go. A, a new way was being put in place. And 
Um, we're we're going to talk about that today because Mark 13 then is sort of all based on what's about to happen, what's, what's going to happen. Uh, and, and so it's a, in the middle of all of this discussion now, we're going to have this rather large discourse from Jesus, the Lord, largest one recorded in the book of Mark. And it's all going to be about, uh, it's a very prophetic message about what lies ahead. And it's filled with warnings, and it's, uh, it's not, he doesn't paint a, a real happy, skippy, comfy picture. And so uh, we need to hear that and understand uh, what he's talking about. And, and ultimately, it ends with a warning and for us to be alert and on guard. And we'll talk about what that warning is uh, in just a minute. But let's go ahead and read the chapter uh, together. We're going to be reading Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. We'll read through verse 37. Um, it should be in your notes. You can follow along, or you can pick up your Bible and read it, or uh, you can just listen to my pleasing tones. Mark chapter one, uh, 13, pardon me, beginning in verse 1. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And... What will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what is ever given you at the time, for it is not you speaking with the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house or take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it would be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short these days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power 
and glory. And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves comes out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, that's a pretty interesting chapter, wouldn't you think? It's, it's not one of those chapters that makes you go, woohoo! What did you say, Jesus? <laughs> What's all that about being arrested and flogged in your name? What? And, and, and it's not good. Um, Mark 13 records prophetically terrible events that, that will be part of the human experience while Jesus is away. And um, we've, in the last couple thousand years, experienced... Numerous terrible events. So, so they've been coming. And, um, you know, one of the things he says is that it, it's like birth pains. And one of the things about birth pains is that the, the closer you, you get to actual delivery, Sarah, you probably want to go, la, 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 la. Um, <laughs> just for a minute. Um, <laughs> none of this is true, trust me. It gets a piece of cake. Whoosh. Well, let's see you do it. I passed a kidney stone once. Does that count? Um, I have some sympathy because of it, I'm sure. Because that's not never... Anyway, here we go. Birth pains increase in intensity and frequency towards the, the birth of the baby. And, and so, you know, it seems to me that we are seeing more and more of all the things that talked about being seen. Wars and rumors of wars. Um, earthquakes, famines, tsunamis, you name it. They, they seem to be coming with increasing regularity. Now, part of the reason might be that we are far more aware of them now globally than we ever were before because now the moment one happens, we hear about it. Where, you know, that's a, recent, a fairly recent phenomenon, um, you know, really with, with newspaper and, and, and radio and television and now the Internet. Um, now that time period is, uh, because of the Internet, it happens and we hear about it. Um, there's no lag, but that's fairly new. So, um, has, uh, but I would still say that it seems to me that these these things are increasing, which would make it that we're always we're moving ever closer to the return of Christ. But when I read about these horrible things, I think sometimes people think, well, you know, all that's coming, and they forget that we've experienced lots of horrible things already. So uh, I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying that that there's been. For the last 2,000 years, lots of 
horrible events that have taken place. And, and because we live, we, and we, we, you guys should know this by now, in a fallen world on a broken planet. All right? Sin entered the world, and it's not the way that it was supposed to be. And so stuff happens. And it's, it's not fair, and it's not, it's not great. But this is all a result of God giving us the ability to make choices because he wanted people that would choose him. And, and if they weren't given a choice, then, then we'd never be able to experience what love really is all about. So free will entered in. Because of free will, there's sin. And, and because all of us have chosen wrongly over time. We've all made bad choices, sinful choices, selfish choices. It, not just Adam and Eve, all of us ever since. We've all made those choices. And so we have a situation. Now, Jesus is, has come, and, and that's what happens in what we're reading about in Mark 13. He's preparing to go to the cross. It's the, the first big step in everything being restored to the way that it's going to be. And, and so Jesus came, and we'll keep studying this, but just, and you know the thing, and, and he, he lived a perfect, sinless life, and, and he, he uh, came to set things straight uh, about what God wants with us in relationship. And then he willingly goes to the cross, because he could have stopped it, but he went on our behalf, and his perfect, sinless life was sacrificed for us, and it covered or paid for all of our sin, all of it, all that we've ever done, all that we ever will do. And, and so his first coming, um, it, it was the, the crucial step in um, his return. He had to come the first time to set things right. He's coming back. And, and because we know that he's coming back, because he said he's coming back, um, we live in this in-between time. And, and so um, fancy words to introduce what I'm talking about is when we live in an inaugurated eschatology. I just like saying that, but you need to hear that. It means uh, that the end times has been inaugurated or started. We live in a time when the end times have already started, uh, and it started when Jesus first came. And so we live in uh, the beginning or somewhere in the end times. So all this time since Jesus has been end time stuff. All right? So you've been in the end times. You, you exist in the end times. Now, we, we often want to make that, you know, what's that? Is it, you know, this much time? You, you've, every time, all time since Jesus has come, is, this is end time stuff. When he comes back, the second time, uh, he, he brings with him then uh, and sets everything right, a new age. We, we live in this current age, and this, is a, this age is evil. The, the present evil age is what we live in now. It's, it's, uh, has at its, uh, and is influenced by, uh, the, the Bible says, the small g God of this age, the evil one. And, and he is still up to no good uh, in, in all sorts of ways. And uh, he is still trying to steal worship for himself. That's the heart of the issue. He wants people to worship him. He'll go to great lengths to get it, even to the lengths of, of trying to convince people he's not even real. Because if he can keep them believing that lie, they end up worshiping him by default. And so he has all these schemes and tricks that he does. When Jesus comes back, um, this, this age comes uh, to an end and a new age is started. And the new age is where, uh, I've got to use that careful because new age sounds funny. The new age movement isn't good either. The, the age that is to come uh, will, will be a time when uh, Jesus restores everything. And, and everything is given uh, and put back under the, the, the feet of God, and it's back the way that it was 
intended to be. We will, uh, at that point, be a people who have all chosen to love and serve God. That's what exists. Now, there's, there's a thousand-year millennium in there we've got to account for, and we can do that in lots of different ways. But just hang with me in the bigger picture, all right? So, so there's this present evil age, and then there's the age that's to come. That's the perfect age. That's, that's what we're waiting for when everything is made right. And in this chapter, Jesus is alluding to a lot of those things. Guys, this is, this is what's going to happen. Remember, he's been telling them about the cross, and they haven't, still haven't bought in all the way. And now he's saying, and, and listen, they're, and they're saying, well, what's going to happen? When's all this stuff going to come? Because they know the book of Daniel. They know all these things that are foretold. Uh, when do these things begin to take place? And so he begins to let them know, listen, guys, this is going to be a hard deal. You've got a hard road here. Um, sin has entered the world. Uh, I'm going away because people need a chance to respond to the gospel. And, and uh, then I'm going to come back. In the meantime, you need to be faithful to what you know. You're to go out and tell people the good news. You're to, you're to tell people what's happened so that they have a way to respond. And, and, um, and so this is what he's preparing them for in this process. Now, he says some things that, that I want to touch. I'm not going to touch on all of the chapters. There's a lot in there. But I think there's some, some good questions that pop up. Um, he says in there that all these things will happen before this generation passes away. You ever wonder about that? Because that hasn't happened yet, and you got a gen- And so, what does generation mean? Um, how how is that going to take place? Generation has some different meanings. In one sense, it means the actual people that are there, that generation. That generation can mean that. But generation can also mean a family line or a national line, uh, a nation. That that can mean the same thing in generation. And the fascinating thing about prophecy is that with much prophecy, there's an immediate fulfillment, and then there's a, a fulfillment that happens off in the future. And we see both with this particular prophecy because the temple was indeed destroyed in the life of that generation. Because in A.D. 70, the Romans pulled it apart. Uh, in response to a, another rebellion um, the, of the Jews. And so, indeed, just as Jesus said, all these things will be pulled down, it happened in A.D. 70. And, and so it happened in that time. That part of the prophecy happened within the immediate time of the generation that we're living. So, at that point, then, what happened to the people of Israel is that they were scattered to the ends of the earth. They were scattered all over the world. And the fascinating thing is that even though they were scattered everywhere, they always maintained an identity. Uh, And in that process, maintained that idea of generation because the nation still existed. Now, in our time, we have seen the the nation of Israel back in its place um, by by really a fascinating set of circumstances that uh, allowed for that to happen. It's caused a lot of controversy. It's why the Middle East is always so hot, even still, because um, Israel got its land back, but it made some people that were already there not very happy <laughs> because they, you know, they sort of got together and just said, boom, we're giving them a spot to live. They're taking it back. Um, so uh, we have these things in place, and now Israel has returned, which, which would seem to, to say that now the rest of these things are because until 1948, none of the stuff that needed to happen could happen because we didn't have Israel back where it belonged. But now, now she's been there since 1948 and, and been back in Jerusalem since the 60s, right? 67? When she got Jerusalem back or part of it anyway. So, um, 
so she's back in place. And, and that opens the door then for the, the rest of the fulfillment of the prophecy. And so that the, the whole idea that, that she was scattered as a nation and yet maintained her identity holds intact, that generation still is in place, that, that we'll see the signs because Israel stayed intact. Um, now, now, some people go, uh, and, and, and see, here's the deal. Because it seems like people always want to predict when everything comes to an end. And, and uh, as far as I can remember, people have always been looking at situations and dates and times and saying, this is the end of it all. And they'll use all sorts of things that, that, uh, that, that they can do. When, when Israel first was put back in place, they said, okay, 40 years from 1948, that'll be the end of it all. Okay, it must be 40 years from 1967. Because they use 40 years as a generation. They'll go, well, no, 60 years as a generation or 70 years as a generation. But they're, they're always trying to figure this stuff out. Or, you know, it's going to be Y2K that does this. And that's the end of everything. Everything comes to an end. Or Nostradamus, who, you know, who's gained some certain... Uh, uh, for as far long as I can remember as a kid, people have said that Nostradamus had claimed the end of the world would be every year. <laughs> now you've got the Mayan calendar, 2012. You hear about that? Uh, most of you have heard that by now. And um, two, well, it was 2012 because the Mayan calendar ends. Um, then, let me just shed a few interesting thoughts on the Mayan calendar since I have you here. Um, it's, it's a fact. The Mayan calendar runs out. But I would submit to you without trying to be too sarcastic that the calendar far exceeded how long the Mayans actually needed it anyway because the Spaniards basically wiped them out 600 years ago. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying that they had way more calendar than they needed. So please, and I beg anybody's forgiveness if I've offended you. Um, but, and, and the calendar is based on, the Mayans were excellent mathematicians on a series of mathematic equations. And, and the mathematic equations do come to a logical end, but all they would do is roll over and start again. It doesn't mean that it was, that was the end of it. It just came to the end of those equations. They did pretty good for how long ago they made the calendar. Flip, it flips over and starts again. It's really not a big issue. Why has everybody made it such an issue? And I have a theory. And, and because I, at one point I did some research, I put a video up on the web that people watch talking about 2012. And in my research, I went to a bunch of 2012 sites. The one thing that they all have in common is that they all sell T-shirts. You go to any 2012 site, I promise you, they're selling T-shirts. They're in it to make money. And the more people that buy into the hype and the spin and everything else and buy T-shirts makes why they do it. It's, it's, now, now, here's why, ultimately, I don't believe it. Okay? And, and I, I want you to, to, uh, to see this because it's very important. So let me, I need to put my glasses back on. Here's what I can tell you for a fact. Verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now here's, here's where all the time we've spent together is going to help you. What does no one mean? So why, why, are, why are we so, why culturally do we buy into that stuff? 
Oh, except for Nostradamus? He doesn't know. The Mayans didn't know. Nobody knows. Only the Father knows. And, and so people get all stirred up and worked up and have for... Uh, there's been many this, groups with good intentions who have been told by their leaders that the end was coming and they have followed and, and sold all their stuff and sat there ready. And, and nothing happened. Nobody knows. If I ever get up here and tell you that I know, get rid of me. Nobody knows. No, you, you can't know. You can't know. There are signs. You can be prepared, but no one knows. No one knows. And so when you hear people start to get all excited about it, you've got one simple verse. Now know that this, this idea of the Father knowing, and we've probably talked about it, I'll give you the brief version, is tied into a, an entire marriage situation with the bridegroom and the bride. And... and uh, when in fact what happens, when I told you this, when, when a Jewish couple would, would be betrothed or engaged, the, um, everybody had given their approval, the, the groom would leave to prepare a place for his bride. And he would go and make a place for his bride. Now, and, and understand, men and women, what would happen is a, a guy who wanted to retrieve his bride, you know what a guy would generally do is he'd rush back and throw up a hammock and say, come on, honey, we're ready. Welcome to your new home. And, and yet the tradition was that only the groom's father could tell the groom when it was time to go get his bride because he would make sure that the place was prepared the way it needed to be prepared. So only the father could send the groom after the bride. It's part of a, a tradition that had been going on forever. Everybody would have understood that. Now, now know scripturally that Jesus is the groom. And we're the bride. We know scripturally that he said, I have to go away because I have to prepare a place for you. Who's, who's he going to prepare a place for? Us. Who's going to know when the place is ready? The Father. And he'll send the Son back. Because Jesus said, I don't even know. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. When the Father sends me back, I'll be back for you. That's the deal, guys. He's not coming back till the Father says, go get her. Us. And then he comes back. Now, what about all this stuff? And, then, and people have all sorts of ideas. Well, does, does that mean that he's coming for us? And uh, do, 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 do we go out before the big final last mess of, of seven years' time? Or do we go out in the middle of that big last seven-year time? Or do we go out at the end? You heard this debate, right? And, and I, I will tell you that I don't know. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a very strong belief on where that happens. However... I have heard it taught very well from every point of view by people I respect theologically. And so there's, there's verses that we're just not sure of. I would say, you know, get ready. And, and my, my hope is we get to go out before the worst comes. That would be cool. And there's a lot of Bible that talks about that, and that would be my personal opinion. Based on a lot of the feasts and the things that happen, it would, it would prophetically fit into the seven feasts that that the church would be taken out before that last seven years. Because there's a feast of judgment, and in Christ, there's, we, we don't have that. He, did our, he took it. So we, that we don't need that feast. So, so it doesn't make sense to me that we're here. It seems to me that we would go out at harvest time, which is number five. It's the one we're waiting on. But that's just... I, I've also read and studied the Scripture and get the, the, 
the reasoning for a three-and-a-half-year period, and I also get the reasoning for being here for the full seven. I get it. Um, and I just I don't want to, you know, it's not that I won't make decisions. I'm not sure. I've told you my opinion, but, but we'll, see. we'll see how it goes. And uh, we'll see what happens. One of my pat answers for that question when people look at me is, is this. I don't believe this. This is just a little answer. You get to go out wherever you believe you're going to go out. <laughs> Not just frustrates people, makes them mad at me. So um, uh, <laughs> we're going to see what happens. But we're, the deal is, now let me, and I'm going to wrap up here. The deal is none of that really makes that big a difference because we just need to be prepared. Be on watch. Be on guard. Be alert. Do what I've left you to do. Be good stewards. I've left you in charge. Tell people the good news. I'm coming back. Get ready for me to come back. And all this be alert stuff and be on guard. You know what I really believe he's, he's warning his guys to be on alert and be God for, on guard for? Don't become like the Pharisees. Stay on your toes. Don't go back that way. Don't, don't go back to, to that whole process. Be alert. I'm coming back. Live like I'm coming back. Live for me. Don't fall into rules and regulations. Live for me. Live in relationship with me. My spirit's coming to, to lead you, to guide you, to, to encourage you, to help you. Live in him, and, and I'll be back. And in the meantime, go and do all I've taught you to do and teach others to do it as well. And that's the time. That's what we're in. That's what we're doing. That's what it's supposed to be like, and that's what's happening. How it all falls out, I don't know. People that tell you they know are, are making great big assumptions. Because we don't know. It's prophetic. It has a future connotation to it. Things change. See, the problem with prophecy is that things change. Israel's in place right now. There's no doubt about it. What if she's not? Is it, imp- is it impossible that she's not scattered again? No, I don't think so. It's been happened before. I don't hope that it happens. I'm just saying is you can't... Because people go, well, now all this has happened. Yeah, it's happened. There's a movement inside Israel that doesn't want to be there. Because they don't think that they, that they should be, that their punishment was to be scattered and that to come back was inappropriate. I don't, I don't know that that's true, but I don't know all of that stuff. I'm just saying be alert, be aware, watch, and be ready. And live like he's coming back in that tension. He's, you have to live like he's coming back today. That would be great. If he came back today, good deal. And then we live like he's coming back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. But in that tension... All the time. And so our prayer is, as the saints of the ages have prayed, come Lord Jesus, come. But until you come, use me here to do what you'd have me do. And that's Mark chapter 13. Amen? Amen. If you're watching my video, thank you. If you're up in Williston, they'll pray for you there. I'm going to pray for you guys here. So um, you can go ahead and uh, pass me up your prayer requests. I'll be happy to pray for you.